Welcome to the Immigrant Squared podcast. My name is Anna. I was born in one of the former Soviet republics, raised in a small yet very unique country in the Middle East, and have been living in the U.S. for almost 20 years. I've always been curious about different languages, cuisines, music, and traditions. I also always had a desire to help people become their best self. I invite you to join me on an adventure throughout the world as I discover immigrants' stories, learn about new cultures, and together we find new ways to help immigrants unlock their potential. Welcome to episode 14 of the Immigrant Squared podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jamie, who shared her journey coming to the U.S. from Colombia and how through her career she's able to give back to the community she left behind. Jamie also shares her experience with Toastmasters International. Welcome to the Immigrant Squared podcast, Jamie. Hi, Anna. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about, about yourself and your immigrant story? Uh, what brought you to the U.S.? Sure, and thank you for inviting me to the podcast. So, so yes, so I came from Colombia when I was 14 years old. I came to the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, my dad had been living here since 1990, and my parents were divorced. I was staying with my mom and my brother in Colombia. And, you know, like... You know, a lot of parents out there, they decided that it was best for us to migrate to the United States. So I came uh, initially in 1998. We had a, we, we, one of my brother and I had uh, uh, green cards. Um, so we came, you know, legally. And that was obviously a huge help much later on in my story. Um, but then I couldn't adjust. I was 12 at that t- time. And I had really didn't, I haven't lived with my dad for a long time. I, he left when I was four. Uh, my brother was two, so my brother was more attached to to living with my dad, and and I just I was I just couldn't really stay here, and I couldn't adjust. So I my dad got me a, a permit to go back to Colombia and study two more years, and and I think that that helped me a lot to like you know deal with the shock of having to move to another country. Um, so uh, you know, after two years, I had to come back to the United States, and I couldn't go back to Colombia for a long time. Um, so because you know, when you risk, when you want you apply for a green card, it means that you want to leave here. So, so yeah. So I came when I was fourteen fully to leave. Um, I didn't speak a word of English. Um, I think you know I had to thank my, my my teachers in Colombia because we you know even though I didn't go to like a rich school or anything, like we had good foundations. So, so I, I, I was able to like say the colors and the numbers, but like, you know, I was in, by that point in high school. So, but compared to other immigrants, you know, I was able to, to say more things. Um, although I started in level one of ESL. So I, I, when I migrated, I started in 10th grade and I started, I started in ESL, English as a second language, level one. And eventually I always liked school and I always liked languages. So. I graduated high school normally, uh, and then I, by by, when I, by the time I graduated high school, I had already graduated into like you know regular English. So at the time, I was taking just a regular English, like uh, a senior senior class. Um, and then I applied to University of Maryland. I applied to like I don't know four or five, and Maryland wasn't my first choice. <laughs> I wanted to actually go to George Washington University. Um, because I fell in love with like the campus in the middle of the city and 
But the reality of like how expensive college was hit me when I basically got, you know, the all the nice letters and zero money. <laughs> so, so I ended up choosing Maryland, and I and I did. Uh, I started a psychology major because I I always felt that I was good at talking to people and help them with, deal with the problems and stuff like that. And basically, after the first semester. Uh, I did so poorly on my Psych 100 that I was like, I don't want to repeat the class because it's gonna be, money is going to come out of my pocket. So I decided to switch majors and decided to start government and politics. Um, and through that journey, I was working at the university. I was working in Haleo, one of the restaurants in D.C. Um, and, and I discovered my passion for like international relations and Latin America. Um, so eventually I, I graduated um, college and, and I started working in nonprofits, um, working with women's empowerment nonprofits. Um, and then eventually I landed a job with working with Afro-Colombians and indigenous communities in Latin America. And that's when I decided to do my master's in Latin America studies because uh, I wanted to learn more about the region I came from. Um, and I always wanted to give back to the country I left behind. So that was what led me to study international development. And that's when, and you know, I graduated my, my master's my, from a master's program in, and I started to work with USAID, the United States Agency for International Development Programs as an implementer. So basically I wasn't working directly for the government. I was just like an implementer of the programs. And fast forward, I don't know how many years, but <laughs> like 10 years. And uh, now I'm working for USAID. I'm the youth and workforce specialist for the Latin America region. And that's my dream job because in my position, I will be able to work with youth all over Latin America on workforce development opportunities, educational opportunities. And I'm so excited because that's what I wanted to do. That's awesome. That was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> a very long journey. Um, so first of all, I think it's super interesting that you sort of immigrated twice to the U.S. And I'm just curious to know what was easier the second time around and what were um, kind of the lessons learned, like what helped you by going back to Colombia and then coming back here again a few years later? I think it was more like the family shock um, because my parents being divorced, my dad remarried um, and I couldn't quite like kind of comprehend what that meant when I was here. And it was hard for me like to, because I was always living with my mom. My mom never remarried. So coming here and, you know, being so dependent on, on, on my parents and, and her and my, my stepmother was, was kind of rough because uh, I came from Bogota, which is a, a major city and like we'll move around and like it was, um, I was much, like I had more independence. I could walk places, walk to school and, and here being so far away, you know, you needed to to have a car and stuff. And um, but I think more than anything was was that family dynamic that I it was hard for me to to digest um and, and my dad my, my dad was working all the time and sometimes i think like for for immigrant kids like when your parents work three jobs or and and 
you know, and you have been disconnected for so long, it's really hard to relate. It's really hard to trust. It's really hard to open up. I mean, this is happening to me. I have these feelings, like blah, blah, blah. So it was really difficult. And when I went back, I found a lot of support among my teachers, actually. Um, you know, because they, I, I was talking to them about, you know, like how this, this, this was you know, impacting my, my life and like, the way I was thinking about the United States and things like that. And and because I knew I had to go back to the United States because of my, my, my visa. So it was really hard. I knew that I couldn't get too too cozy like, in Colombia because I, I know I have to go back. And, you know, so but that that helped me kind of go through those years. Also, as a teenager, you have a lot of emotions and things that you have to deal with. Um, so I think that help kind of prepare my mind to the fact that I was going to come back and it was going to be a very different life. Also here in the United States, we don't have a lot of family in terms of like my immediate family. Like we only have a couple of cousins and um, two aunts that they unfortunately passed away. Um, so it wasn't like a big family uh, niche. In Colombia, we have like 95% of our family for, from both sides. Uh, of, of my okay, yeah so. so you're bringing up a couple of interesting points one is it's very difficult to immigrate as a teenager I experienced it as well because that's the age where you're like discovering yourself and then suddenly you have to move to a new country and your language and build your own community and the other thing that I think is very important you're bringing up is that community and support system in particular kids when they immigrate with their parents it's much harder for them because, like you say, the parents are very busy, sometimes working multiple jobs or struggling themselves with the languages and with the new jobs. So they don't have that kind of um, support that they would need more even than regular teenagers need from their parents, right? So what would you think would have been, if you had a wish, <laughs> would have been helpful for you um, as a teenage immigrant um, to have when you were uh, here for the second time or the first time? I think back then, these things didn't exist. Now they exist. Like I, um, in Virginia, there's a dream project. There are, is uh, El Futuro, which are organizations that support Latino immigrants in their process to college applications. And I know just that is like a little community, right? Because what I experienced when I came here was, like you said, I had to build my own community while I was trying to figure out who I was. Because identity is something that it gets, gets a little of a shock when you come to the United States. Because all of a sudden, you're part of a big group of people, right? And I remember when I was, I was like, I first came, I was like, no, I'm Colombian, I'm Colombian, I'm Colombian. Like, you know, I was very judgy. Like, I remember I was like, oh, you don't speak Spanish, you're not Latino. And so it was through a lot of years of learning about the Latino community, the, the, migra the migrant story of different people, uh, going to college and learning about the different ways of migration from Latin America, um, that I was like, I was able to understand how this Latino Latina community kind of came to be, right? Because you're very resistant. You don't want to lose your identity. You don't want to lose the identity you, you bring, right? You're like, no, 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 I'm Colombian. Like, you know, that's like, this is like a blanket you wear with pride. And it's funny because it's only until you leave your country that you become very prideful of where you come from. 
Um, and but through the years, and and as you become more Americanized, because I have to say I I've been more than half of my life here, uh, you start changing that aspect of your identity. Obviously, I will always be Colombian. I was born there, and it's part of my culture, my heritage. But you change the notion of identity as your time goes by. But going back to the services, so one of the biggest challenges for me was my dad and my stepmother. My stepmother spoke, spoke more English than my dad did. My dad, like to this day, he speaks very choppy English. Um, they had never been to a, like the process of going to university in in their countries, uh, much less here. Uh, they didn't know what a FAFSA was. They didn't know what a college application was. They didn't know about the whole like, oh yeah, let's go visit colleges and see what's that. Like, no, <laughs> their whole notion was you should go to community college and call it a day, you know? And I was like, um, no, I came here and I want to go to university no matter what it takes. Um, but when you are alone in those decisions, it's really rough. I had to rely actually on, on like uh, my cousin's wife. She's an American and she was, she was working with ESL students, but more like adult students. And she kind of saw my potential and she's like, don't worry, I will help you out. And she was the one reviewing my, my college applications and everything. She was the one that took me to, to college visits and stuff like that. But it wasn't you know, the same when you know, your, your own family kind of takes like, oh my gosh, she's going to be the first one to, to attend university. We should help her out. Um, but it's also because they didn't know. And, and in their, and also in the environment they, they might have grown up in their country, maybe education was valued differently. Maybe how life should happen was differently. And I think this is something that a lot of kids also struggle. Absolutely. Um, how to explain your parents. Yeah. But other than like the college and career struggles, what else kind of brings you like a sense of community or what has helped you along the way? Yes. So I think I always say that I have found that God exists because along the way, there's always people that help you out, at least in college. And oh, people, you always find people that want to help you. So I remember I was working in during my entire college career <laughs> and I was working at university I landed a job in the work study program and I was like oh I want to work for the Center for Latin American Studies and uh, because I was like oh I want to know more about the region and it would be cool to hang out with people from my <laughs> my background uh, so the, the the person that was the, the my boss there she was very nurturing she really helped me out because you know when you're in college you also struggle uh, you struggle with not just like, would I have something to eat or like, or, or am I doing this right? Like, I'm gonna, am I gonna succeed? It was really difficult because I came, I had to, I didn't score high enough on my SATs for the verbal part. So I had to take ESL, X, that's what they call it. So basically English as a second language, uh, in college. And, and you know, when you do that and then you have to take, have to take regular classes. It's a little bit overwhelming because you always struggle with being able to be like fluent enough to participate in class and write papers. Um, but I think, you know, through that experience, through a Latino, um, 
there were some groups of people in camp on campus. Um, there was a Latin, Latin American student union. Um, you know, you find your niche in a way, and that, those people help you out in, in, in your in your journey. I think you're definitely not alone. Um, and I think that that helped me a lot through college. And, and honestly, like, I always wanted to go to a university. I always wanted to graduate. Like, the school has been kind of my, my saving grace when everything else was kind of going south. So I, I took refuge on the school and I tried my best to do the best I could. Um, and I landed with really good people around me, my, my class and my teacher, my professors where I have really, really, to this day, I am still in contact with one of my professors that made me cry in one class, but I love her. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, so it's just those, do not be afraid to ask help. Don't be afraid of being vulnerable. Uh, but don't lose sight of what your goals are. I think that's the the main thing. And in, when once I transition to 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 working, you know, finding mentors is important, or or or, or like or trying to work or being honest with with your your supervisors and and really ask for feedback is something that has been helpful to me. Um, it's been rough, I have to say. It's not easy. Uh, I always been self-conscious of my language ability and um, sometimes you self-doubt. You have always said doubt. Um, when you're the first kid to go through a lot, my, my dad was always like, why are you studying what you're studying? Like, are you going to, why are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be a lawyer? Like, so I always had to defend the choices that I have made. And when for some reason you don't land the job or you don't, you know, you might not be financially stable as you thought you would be, or a lot of things come your way. There's always that, like, oh, I wish I was have done this different, right? Because you know, you always have people telling you, but oh, but you went and got all these degrees, and what are you doing? Like, so, so you always have to be your advocate of sorts, um, and that's one of, I think, one of the hardest things on this twenty-year, twenty-plus-year journey here in the U.S. Yeah, and also, like you say, keep shooting to the target you want to reach, like. I've struggled with it as well because you have this imposter syndrome when, for example, like I don't know how to pronounce a word for many years, automatically my the volume of my speech would go down when I don't know how to pronounce the word because I was hoping that somebody around me will pick up the word and say it loud enough and then I can repeat it loud and in a confident you know tone so it doesn't look like I didn't know how to pronounce it. And... In the past few years, having like had uh, several issues with like my accent and people making fun of it or or sort of like bullying, even you know adults bully too. It's not only kids. And I came to realize that it's a, a bigger question of diversity and inclusion because I think that we always talk about kind of diversity and inclusion in the things that are very evident to the eye somebody's race, somebody's, you know, gender, somebody's sexual orientation, you name it. But an accent is something that until you open your mouth, you don't see it. But it's also part of being inclusive of the diversity of people because there are different accents, people come from different parts of the world. Um, and I saw recently you mentioned that you started going to Toastmasters. So Do you mind sharing a little bit about what it is and how has your experience been so far? Sure. So for years, I have a struggle with public speaking 
even when I was in college, graduate school was a nightmare. Um, and because of, of what I've been doing since school, like I haven't had to speak as much, um, you know, in front of people, but like a muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, so I was like, now in this position that I am with USAID, I'm going to be speaking more to panels and like, you know, speaking on behalf of, of the agency. So I'm like, girl, you need to do something about this. So I joined Toastmasters. Toastmasters International is um, as well as like an NGO that supports uh, people in their journey to become better public speakers. Um, now has grown into offering different paths, leadership paths, pathways. And uh, so they have different tracks of, 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 of things you can achieve depending on what your goals might be. Mine is particularly, I want to be strong at presentation. Uh, it's called presentation mastery path, uh, pathway uh, because I want to be able to be more, you know, better, a better speaker and more in command of the room when, I, when I'm, you know, doing presentations. Um, so, so far it has been really nice. It's like a, almost like a little community as well. Uh, and the way that it works is that you go online. It's very also sophisticated. You go online and you sign up for your pathway and it tells you the journey of milestones you have to complete in order for you to achieve different levels uh, of, of mastery. And, you know, my, I gave a, a speech last week. It was, it was my first time. Um, and it was an introductory speech. So I talk about my, precisely what you were asking me about my, my immigrant story. And I got emotional at that, <laughs> at that speech. It was like a four to six minute speech. Um, and I had practiced like 10 times and I was like, you know, fine. And then all of a sudden it kind of hit me. It's, it's until you're speaking to other people about your journey that you realize, oh my God, how much I have accomplished. Uh, I think sometimes in certain cultures, you're not taught to really be proud or like showcase what you have achieved because people say, you have to be humble. You have to be humble. And humility is the best. In the United States, that doesn't work. <laughs> in the United States, you have to advocate for yourself. And you do that by, you know, celebrating your achievements. And and yes, there's a line between being cocky and like, but, and, and, and that, you know, people need to maneuver that, but it's not a bad thing to speak about your accomplishments. So Toastmasters will give me the tools to be able to to do that. And and so far it's nice, very welcoming. People are super friendly and uh, they give you feedback um, because this is graded like anything else, you know, it's, it's, it's like a course that you take. Um, it's not a super expensive and it's, it, the way that it works is there are different clubs that you can join. So there are different divisions and there are competitions between divisions. Um, and I will send you the link if if you can put it on your website. So because it's very helpful and useful, especially when you're looking at, in a, you know, to to improve your your speaking for a professional development uh, point of view, or if you're still in school, you know, anybody can join. It doesn't matter how old you are. That's awesome. Yeah, I will definitely link it in the podcast notes. So my last question for you is. From all of your experience, what is some of your advice uh, for immigrants? Uh, yeah, so you look, you know, everybody has a different story. And I think that our story should empower us. It should not hinder us. And I think that to me, that has helped me a lot for the work that I do. Because I work in Latin America. I work for, so for people for people to have more opportunities, 
so they don't have to migrate or if they choose to that they have the option to do that um and being able to be bilingual is a plus you know don't don't shy away from your language bilingual is you know for me has opened so many doors in in the work that i do it has been able to communicate with people from other other areas in, in the language it, it you know about you know when you talk about inclusion and things like that people are more open to to talk to you if you're speaking their language um so don't shy away from that don't shy away from looking for for for, for opportunities asking for help um there's a lot of resources out there from where we when we came to the United States. Nowadays, there's a ton of things out there. Uh, there are more options if you want to go to school or you don't have, you're undocumented, which back then it was really difficult. Nowadays, you know the, the young people, the generation of you know the the, the 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 generation of now is much more resourceful. I think is much more empowered in many ways. It, it is difficult, but I think not losing sight of what you want is important. I think this country might be a lot of things, but one of the things that I have to say is this country gave me a lot of opportunity. And it gave me, it, it allowed me to meet so many wonderful people from so many different, different parts of the world. Um, and, and I take that to heart because that's how you see the world differently as well. Um, and I've been blessed that through my job at Hope also traveled the world and met different people and different stories um i think also if i had to say this too i always say that in life we have two paths you have your personal path which means the house the job the kids the marriage whatever but also you have a path as a human being like there's a reason why you're different from everybody else and i think that that's your purpose i always think that in life we have a purpose and and looking and sometimes people take their life's journey to find their purpose I feel that this my migrant story and coming here and do what I do, my purpose is to be able to give back to the people that I left behind. I think we should not forget that aspect of the connection um, of, of that we are paving the way for people that are coming behind us. And, and that we should not forget, you know, that if you can help it doesn't have to be monetary. It can be so many different ways. But if we can help connect other immigrants or we can help, you know, people are back in our countries of birth, you know, do it. Do it because you never know. You never know what doors can you open for other people as well. That's absolutely incredible and such a beautiful message to end with because I think that's also something that connects us back to our, you know, countries of origin is the giving back. And I think that's the best thing we can do is help others from the lessons we learned so far. Thanks so much for joining the podcast and good luck on Toastmasters. Hope to hear soon when you accomplish your path. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 14 of the Immigrant Squared podcast. Don't forget to subscribe rate, and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor.com. Until next time.